Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are some people that can take bodily exercise and it becomes their religion to where they'll miss church, but they won't miss the gym. They won't have devotions, but they even got their run in. Then that's out of, out of sync, you know, but he's saying here, look, bodily exercise profits for your time on earth. You'll probably be in better health. And you'll live better and you'll probably live longer if you exercise. It's profitable for a little while. God is profitable for all times. It ministers to and it does something in your life right now for the life that now is and the life which is to come. Do you take good care of your body? You try to eat right and exercise? Do you take good care of your spirit? Pastor Bill notes that a healthy spirit impacts us well beyond our lifetimes. We may put a lot of time into building up our bodies and we may look and feel great. But what does that benefit us when our body dies? We may be set for life, but are we set for death? Our spiritual condition is way more important than our bodily condition. Let's listen to our spiritual trainer as he pours his life into us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. That's why we do the Bible Challenge. That's why it's a challenge, uh, because every year we do it. I'm telling you, I, I, I pastor here. I talk to y'all every year we do it. People start off. I'm going to do it. And about three months in, that's just not how I don't receive like that. No, you lazy. Well, I just I just got to I just, you know, for me, I just get more out of it than do that, too. But people will come up with 20 reasons why they can't spend 30 minutes doing a Bible challenge. I ain't hearing it. Do it every day. Do whatever you. There's some things that if, if they mean if, if it's if it matters to you, you'll do it every day. If you feel like it would be beneficial, there are things that you'll do every day. If you, could, if you got paid $100 to complete the Bible challenge every day, you would do it every day, no question. <laughs> I need gas. Let me do that thing real fast. You know, you, you will get it done every day. So when someone, I can't do it. No, no, no. You, you, you're lazy or you're not willing to do it. Don't say I can't do it. You can do it. You can make it happen. You go in the bathroom and shut the door and get it done. It don't take that long. I do it every day. Uh, I do it once and then I go back and do it more seriously. I pick something that really spoke to me and I go back and I'm now I'm going to settle on that. I'm going to study this one. I'm going you know, to mark my Bible on this one or whatever. So that's how we make sure we don't get wrapped up in this stuff. But we got to keep it moving. So verse two now says speaking lies, speaking about these false teachers. They're speaking lies in hypocrisy. One thing you'll find with false teachers is that not only are they lying to you and what they're teaching, there's a lot of hypocrisy. They're calling you to live a life that they don't even live. They're calling upon people to be holier than they are. They're calling upon people to do things that they can't do themselves. Uh, very common. And, and so you, you end up with a very fake uh, thing where it's like, man, you, you spend some time with them behind closed doors and you're like, oh, I thought they were really like a holy person. But they're not. They're real carnal. It's just not real impressive when you get behind closed doors. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. And it says having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared is cauterized. <laughs> if, if you ever have, if, if anybody, I, don't, I, I the, my best thing I've seen, I, I watched when my babies were born, they were C-section. And so I watched the hot knife and it would just cut, you know, you, and what it does, they say it keeps the bleeding down because as it cuts, it also is kind of cauterizes. So, so it's not bleeding. The, it, it burns it shut. I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm blown away. I'm watching it and the, the babies come out and it's, it's amazing. Um, you know. He said their conscience is seared with a hot iron. It means they don't feel no more. They've done the wrong thing for so long, they don't even feel bad about it. Everybody feel bad when they do the wrong thing the first time. First time you stole, it's like, I should have done that. I should have done that. Now you feel bad about it. 
By time number 30, you're like, oh, you feel good about it. You know, just conscience is seared. You don't feel bad no more. Well, that's what's happened to these false teachers. They felt bad at first. They don't feel bad no more. Now they're bold and courageous. That's what you see on TV. Their conscience is seared. They don't feel bad at all. And they look confident as they preach that mess. And so it says here, conscience is seared. Without, that's, I, I would wonder, how can they do it? This is how they can do it. Their conscience is seared. They don't have a conscience no more. It just that it's gone. Any part of them that felt guilty or bad about misleading people or it's gone. It's over. They can do it now with no no problem. It's gone. Conscience is seared with a hot iron. And it he says, um, these are some of the things that they were in their false doctrines doing. It says forbidding to marry, telling people not to get married and commanding people to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. And so in their culture. Um, they were making it a spiritual thing. You are holier if you didn't get married. Um, what does that sound like in our day? Catholic church. Priests can't get married. Now look at the outflow of that. Nuns can't get married. What's happened with the men? These men are not being married. And so we have a slew of them molesting boys that, that the passion has turned perverse. How come it's so common in that group? Because they won't do the natural thing where God says, hey, it's better to marry than to burn. Y'all know that's true. The Bible says that it's better to marry than to burn with lust. And so, you know, I encourage young people in the Lord, do it early. I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big encourager of the whole American dream plan. You know, get out of high school, go to college, go for this many years, get your degree, get your job, then get married. Because from my vantage point, most people don't make it that long. They be all jacked up. You know, most people, there may be some exceptional young man or young woman, but a lot of people I know falling all over themselves, go and get married. Right. Struggle through it financially together. Go to school together. That way y'all can, you know, it, it's OK. It, all those things is not in the Bible. It doesn't say you have to have all that in order first. But parents be putting that on kids. So I'd be taking it off of them kids. You love the Lord. You love Jesus. Let the Lord bring somebody in your life. I'll marry y'all. Get married and struggle together. I'd rather you struggle financially than struggle with your flesh. Uh, so anyway, that's my two cent on that. I'm pro young marriage. All right. Uh, so abstaining from marriage. And then it says telling them they can't eat certain foods uh, that God created to be enjoyed, um, to be consumed and, and enjoyed with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And so you have these groups where it's like, hey, it's more holy if you don't get married. It's not more holy. And it's you're more holy if you don't eat these things. And so they refrain from eating certain things and they feel like I am this because I don't. And one one mark of a cult group is the way that they make themselves feel superior spiritually is by what they don't do. Oh, you guys do that? We don't do that. <laughs> Not us. Oh, you oh, are you wearing lipstick, sister? Oh, wow. We we yeah, we don't paint our faces. We just the way God made them. Sometimes my passion is that the house needs painting. Yeah, paint it. Anyway, so uh, but that's what they do. They, they it's the thing that they don't do becomes uh, the, 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 the reason why I'm better than you. We're more spiritual than you. We're, we love the Lord more than you. And that's not really the case. It, these abstaining from things that God hasn't forbidden. God hasn't forbidden marriage and God hasn't forbidden us to eat things. Um, and he goes on to say this for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So God says, hey, for the believer, you can eat whatever you want. It's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. You pray over it. You pray. You give thanks for it. 
And so we're not under now. We there may be things that you decide. I don't want to eat that for health purposes. Um, I don't particularly enjoy eating that. Um, you know, I, I got a brother here that likes chitlins. I just <laughs> I just can't. I just I, once I understood what a chitlin was, there's just no way. I mean, I'm not a slave. I, you know, I'm not out there busting up the chiffero. I, I can eat any part of the pig I want. I'm not eating that part. It doesn't make me more spiritual. Doesn't make me better. Um, but my kitchen smells better and I probably feel better. So, you know, there are things that they don't make us more spiritual. We can make those choices. But these people were saying, hey, we are more spiritual because we don't. Paul says, look, God is we can eat whatever we want. It is sanctified, set apart by the word of God in prayer. That's why we give thanks for our food. Uh, that's why we, you know, we pause for a moment before we eat. I hope that's not the only time you pray, but we do pause for a minute and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the food. It is, it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And so we do pray over our meals. We give thanks for them um, with thanksgiving. So next section, now move on to verse six with me. It says, Paul's telling Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Instruct them of what things? Everything Paul's been telling them up until this point. Um, and so if you go backwards, you know, he's instructed him in doctrine. He's instructed him in how the church is a function in prayer, how the men are to be in leadership. And, and then he took to, to chapter three, he looked at the roles of the, the men and the women in chapter two. He looked at chapter three of the qualification for those who would serve as pastors, those who would serve as deacons within the church. And then in the, in the end of chapter three, we looked at the mystery of godliness, who Jesus is, that he came, that he died, that he was ascended back into heaven and all these other things that there are going to be people that depart from the Lord the last days but Timothy you continue to teach these things don't get caught up in it. he says man Timothy if you instruct the brother in, in these things you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed this will make you a good minister Timothy just teach this just, just be sound give them good doctrine Timothy teach them the right things you will be a faithful minister you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And so anybody here that's a minister, or you desire to be a minister and a minister just means a servant. Timothy is going to be a man that serves God. And he said, this, this will make you a good minister that you hold to these things that you know them and you teach them. And you instruct the brother in, in these things. Interesting that he says for a good minister that you're nourished in the word yourself. Um, I think it's important for those of us that serve the Lord, that we make sure that we're also nourished in the Lord. Some people can, in place of nourishing themselves in their own relationship with God, their whole relationship with God can be what they do in service. And we should all guard from that, that we can't only go to the word for what we're preparing to share. Everything that we do in our relationship with God can't center around what we're going to do for church or do in service. There's got to be a, a large part of your walk with the Lord that's just for you. God, I just want to be with you. Uh, maybe you, well, I just, I'm worshiping God in my car right now because I just want to worship. I'm not, this is not for the stage. It's not for practice. It's just, I just want to worship God right now. Um, and y'all wouldn't want to hear it anyway, you know, so, but it's just, it's personal. Right now I'm reading right now. I just want to hear from God. I need to, I need God to speak to me. This isn't for a Bible study. This isn't for me to give to someone else right now. I'm not preparing this to tell my friend, but I just need to hear God. I just need to be nourished. I need God to minister to me this morning. And so he says that you be nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. And that, that's important, too, that it's not just the word that you know. It's also the word that you're following. If you're going to be a minister of Christ, then you can't just know it. You can't just know it and teach it. But you got to know it, teach it and be following it yourself. Uh, worst thing in the world is a minister teaching something and living something else. 
And so all of us here that are trying to represent Christ to other people and we're sharing Christ with people, worst thing we could do is tell them and then they watch us live something contrary. Uh, every parent here, we got to be cautious of that, that we're, we're living and we're teaching the same thing, that the things we're telling our kids, the things that we're saying, you know, hey, you do this, you want you to do that, that we're also living it out for them, that we're a model of it for them. I grew up in a home where I have both parents tell me not to drink, not to get high. And both parents partook of one or the other. I uh, got my first real drink at home, had my first you know, exposure to drugs at home. But both of them emphatically don't do it. Don't do it with tears. Don't do it. But but they did it. And so did I hear them? No, I didn't. It was just they were just like, blah, 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 blah. I didn't hear none of it. I did what I wanted. Um, and so I don't want to be muted out by hypocrisy because the things that I have to tell my kids are too important. It's too valuable. Um, the things you have to share with your kids are life changing. They're too valuable. You don't want to be muted out by hypocrisy. So make sure the things that you're teaching them and sharing with them are also the things that you're following and living yourself. That they can see that it works. My dad does that and it works. My mom lives like that. and She's always telling me this and, and I watch her life and it works because they'll see over time. They can't help it. They're, they're, they're close enough to you to see that it works. Prayer works. That obeying God works. They, they can watch your life and see. And so put it on display for them. They need it. Amen. Verse seven says, but reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. And so here he says, Paul, Peter, I'm sorry, Timothy, don't waste your time on. Uh, he says profane and old wise fables. What is that speaking of? It's this. Um, I, it's what I call empty talk. It's when someone says, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute. I was watching this one show, right? And I, I saw this thing happen and I was, you know, me and my friends was talking and uh, they said that they, they saw this thing happen. It was a demon that came and did, did, did all these different things. That's crazy, huh? Is it, you know, and, and it, there's all these stories that abound that you can just get, you can get caught up in going over here. Someone comes and oh, I just wrote a book. I, I, I woke up in my room and I saw the devil and the devil took me to hell. Show me everything was going on in hell and I came back to you and it's like, man, I, I like to share that to your church. And I, I wrote it in a book and Paul's telling Timothy, stay away from that mess. Just teach the Bible. You know, just teach the Bible. I'm so unimpressed. Every time I hear another story about somebody that's seen heaven, I went to heaven. Uh, the last one was a little boy. And so it's like, but the kids, the kids don't lie. This is my issue with it, right? Stone me. Paul did see heaven. It's verified in the scripture. He saw the third heaven. He saw it. He got to go. He got a vision. He saw it. And when he got done seeing it, Paul said, the things I saw. It would be a crime for me to put them in a human terms. I can't even speak on it. So if the one man that I know that definitely saw it said, I can't even put words on it. Then I have a hard time with all these people saying I saw it and selling books about it and making movies. It's like because I know Paul saw it and Paul said, I can't even. It will be a crime. I'll, I'll ruin it. There are no words for what I saw. That also kind of coincides with scripture because then they say in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so when you come back saying, oh, I saw it and it was just like this and it was crazy. It was, it was like, because my, my Bible says eyes haven't seen it, ears haven't heard it, and I can't even imagine it. But you got it all figured out. I don't believe you. I believe the Bible. So that's that's my 10 cent on that. You, you, you know. It's, it's Paul's telling Timothy, spend it. don't waste your time on that. Don't be up preaching that. Don't be up reading books saying, wouldn't this be interesting? 
profane, empty, waste of time, wise fables, stories, endless stories and stuff that you can't verify anyway. Just teach the word. And so we need to be careful because Christian bookstores abound. Everything in Christian bookstores is not of Christ. You guys know that? Just because it's in the Christian book, just because it made the shelf of the Christian bookstore, don't make it Jesus. Don't make it right. So you need to be discerning and everything else. What we need to be reading is our Bible. That's the that's the standard for everything. This I'll discern everything off of this. Sift everything through the truth of this book. Um, it'll keep us from getting wrapped up in some wrong things. So then. So, again, reject old uh, profane and old wise fables. He says, exercise yourself towards godliness. The, the idea is that everybody know what exercise is. Um, anybody here that does any of it? <laughs> exercise is hard. It's difficult. It's, you got to be. Can you exercise one day and be in shape? I went, I went to the gym last week. <laughs> It happened yet. You know what I'm saying? You can't work out a day and then end up in shape. It's got to be something that because it's it's ongoing. It's something you exercise yourself towards. You work at it. It's hard. You got to do what you don't feel like doing. Get up when you don't feel like getting up. It's a difficult thing to train your physical flesh. He says that same thing. Exercise yourself towards godliness. The idea is this. Nobody here is going to wake up godly one day. Now, you're not going to go to bed, pray. God, just make me more like you. And wake up and just be like, I just feel holy. I'm gollier today. I'm more like God today. I just I woke up. I don't feel like sinning. She says, I don't like it. I just smile. How you doing? It's not going to happen. You're going to exercise. You're going to work at it. You're going to have to. There are going to be times where you're intentionally dying to your flesh. I want to say something really bad, but I'm not going to say it. And then you'll get good at it eventually. Eventually you'll get in spiritual shape to where same stuff is happening, but you didn't exercise yourself toward being like God to where you're not stumbled and caught up the way you used to be. But it says, Paul tells Timothy, look, exercise yourself towards godliness. If you're going to work hard at something, Timothy, work hard at being like God. Now, we know that we get saved by grace through faith. It's not a work of ourselves, it's the work of God. But after you get saved, it's work. Now we're working. Now because I'm saved, I'm not working for brownie points with God. I'm not working hard so that God will like me more. God likes me as much as he can like me. He loves me, period. But now in response to his goodness, in response to all he's done, Paul tells Timothy, man, exercise yourself, man. Work hard at being like God. Work hard at being godly because it takes hard work. Moving on, he says, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. And so some people will use this to put down physical exercise. You know, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, you know. I'm not going to go that route. This is how I see it, right? When he says little, uh, if you look it up, it means for a little time. So your life on earth compared to eternity is a little bit of time. So if you work out and take good care of your body on earth, it's profitable for a little while. Uh, So it's not putting it down. It's not saying don't do it. Um, I think we should take care of our bodies that we can spend more time here, be more effective doing what God calls us. I don't think it's a put down. I don't think this is God saying I'm putting down bodily exercise. There's some people that can take bodily exercise and it becomes their religion to where they'll miss church, but they won't miss the gym. They won't have devotions, but they be then got their run in. Then that's out of out of sync, you know. But he's saying here, look, bodily exercise profits for your time on earth. You'll probably be in better health and you'll live better. You probably live longer if you exercise. It's profitable for a little while. God is profitable for all times. It ministers to and it does something in your life right now for the life that now is and the life which is to come. So it's not putting down 
bodily exercise, but it's pointing out that working hard at being like God impacts not just this life, but the life to come. That was the point that Paul was making. So when he says Paul, and he's using, you know, Paul, I can tell, like sports. If you read through Paul's letters, you could tell that he probably was watching the Greek games. And he was probably at the, you know, watching all these things take place because he's always using analogies that are sports. Running the race. I don't box as the one boxing to win. You know, wrestle. I, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. All these sports analogies. He'd probably be into football if he was here right now. You know, he'd probably be giving football analogies in his studies and whatnot. So Paul wasn't against exercise, against sports or any of those things. Paul was saying, but and the way that those guys work really hard at that thing, that only is kind of temporal in its impact. You work hard like that to be like God. That'll impact your life forever. It'll impact all eternity. Understand that you guys, we could do things this week that'll matter all for all eternity. That's a, that should blow you away. That you could do something this week. You can share the gospel with somebody this week. You can be interceding in prayer for people this week. You could be doing something this week that'll matter a thousand years after you die, it'll still it'll still be matter. It'll still matter. The, the guy that led me to Christ, the season, the window of time that he was working to lead me to Christ, it lasted for it wasn't even a whole year. It was just some months intermittently coming down, sharing with me. I can say I'm, now I believe that I'm part of his fruit for all eternity and I'll be in heaven with him because of what he did. That little window of months that he spent sharing with me, witnessing to me, it impacted eternity. We want to live our lives for eternity. We don't want to live just for the here, the now. We want to live for the life that now that is to come. And so that's what the Bible says. If, if you uh, if you if you store up treasure on earth where well, your treasure is, what? That's where your heart's going to be. If you start loving stuff down here, that's where your heart's going to be down here. But you start storing up things in heaven. That's where your heart's going to be. I'm, I'm going to be with the Lord one day. I'm going to see them up there one day. I got I don't have a lot down here, but I got a lot up there one day. You know, you, you'll live. You, your treasure will begin to be him. Your treasure will begin to be eternity. You won't be loving this world that much. Again, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things, he says, command and teach. And so I just want to point out in, in verse 10, Paul says, for to this to this end, we both labor and the word labor there. It means to work to the point of weariness or exhaustion. We labor and we suffer reproach. I believe these things so strongly. Paul says for to this end. To, to work myself toward godliness, to, to store up treasure in heaven, to live a life that glorifies God. Says, I'm, I've suffered reproach. I labor. I work to the point of weariness and I suffer reproach. People talk mad about me. People treat me poorly because of what I'm doing. So, but I, I willingly labor and I suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Do we trust in the living God? Paul, that's how come it doesn't matter to me. Because we trust in the living God. We trust God, who is the savior of all men, Especially of those who believe when you I, I was stumbled over that earlier. I was looking at that just saying the savior of all men. And that, does, does that universalism is everybody can say that's not what it means. He's a savior of all men. Can all men be saved? Did Jesus die for all men to be saved? Yes. But everybody's got it. Everybody don't receive that gift. Right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when he says here, he's a savior of all men. He is a savior. For the non-believer, Jesus is your savior. You need to believe in him. If you die without him, you die without him. But he was your savior. 
because there's no other savior for you. Jesus is it. And so the savior of all men, especially of those who believe, he said, these things command and teach. First Timothy four, verse seven through 10 says this, training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We all know exercise is good for the body, but have you considered lately how your soul needs exercise too? We have a long race ahead of us before we get to go home to the Father, and we need to be in shape for the journey. You've made a great first step by being here with us on a transforming word. Hearing the word of God transforms our lives. What's your next training step? Is it to spend some time in prayer or perhaps to go out and find a place to serve? Or maybe it is to take the step of giving. Whatever it is, embrace your soul training today. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 1 Timothy, where we find many golden nuggets of wisdom for the journey. If your next step in training is to give, hop on over to calvaryinglewood.org to give online. Or you can download our app and give from there. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. We'll see you here next time as we journey together here on A Transforming Word.